thick with two C's. Ch-ch-ch-cheer wine. Hello and welcome to the Dice Like Ice podcast. This is episode one. I'm your host, Tony, and with me is the only person I know who rolls dice worse than myself, Mr. Andrew Mitchell. How's it going? So, Andrew, what uh, what have you been working on this week? Oh, well, um, finishing up my first set of uh, Cruel Boys from the Dominion box set. I uh, painted the rims on the last base, so the, the first half is uh, completely finished. I based everything. I gave it kind of a, a swampy sort of texture to really go with the uh, the Swamp Boys vibe that the, the box was putting off. Um, and then I have an entirely new half of that to do afterwards because, uh, <laughs> you know, no, there's nothing quite like painting... Oh, what was it 43 models and then going ah i want to do that exact same thing all over again um, yeah i wouldn't but, know what that's like no i've never yeah. painted that many skaven rats yeah or or <laughs> cadian infantryman or cadian infantryman point taken but uh now that i'm finished with that first set of cruel boys i'm taking a a slight detour just to kind of cleanse the palette a bit i'm doing zagrod uh wartsnega is that his name Oh, good. So you're, instead of painting a whole bunch of small green guys, you're going to paint one medium-sized green guy. Yeah, but he does have a different green skin. My my 40k orc green skin is different than my Cruel Boys green skin. <laughs> so, uh, and they're more blue. I'm doing, they're all, they're all Death Skulls. So it's a very, it's a very different look on the board. My, my Cruel Boys, I went with kind of a dull red because I did um, Doom Bowl Brown and then did like Mephiston red highlights on top of it. So it's red, but not like crazy bright almost orangey red like a lot of uh the red suns and stuff like that for the orcs so yeah you know. yeah it's it's orcs but it's a very different different type of orc i i have my thing i like my green skins i know what's what <laughs> yeah fair enough man i know what i'm about well how about you you got anything uh anything that you're trying to get finished before we head on down to nowlands for the the open oh yeah so i've been uh, i've been working on skaven because apparently i like ratmen yep uh, i've got a Got the notification that my battle foam case shipped today, so I've now got to magnetize somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 tiny little rat men for that. Uh, so my fingers are more glue than finger at this point, and that's pretty much what I've been doing. Built a couple of storm fiends, got a couple more on the way, and gonna hopefully try and pull that same repeat trick of paint 100 rats in 9 days, because, you know, I apparently have some kind of brain thing that makes me dumb when it comes to rat painting. Well, thankfully, contrast exists now, so I, <laughs> yeah, I still oh, have so I still have yet to use them. Actually, I, I keep really? meaning to give a few a try just to see what they're like. And I think uh, in in more recent news, I got into the uh, the Kill Team pre-order, so I do have my my Octarius set coming in whenever those are released. It's still pre-order time right now. Um, oh, good, more I, green skins and also uh, <laughs> French trench fighters from World War One. Um, uh, but I do think I'll I might pick up a couple of uh, contrasts just for the terrain to get that done really quickly because uh, it seems like a good way to knock out big stuff like that pretty pretty quickly it, it doesn't work super great on big flat panel surfaces you really got to control it with the brush otherwise you'll get that weird tea staining effect ah uh, well it is orc terrain so if uh, it doesn't fair. quite work i can always cover it with rust effects there you go typhus corrosion and um 
what is the is the rust one typhus corrosion yeah i actually don't okay. use that one anymore though i did that when i with my death guard army when i was doing it but uh I, to get more of like a proper like i don't know kind of orangey brownie rust i go with um i'll, I'll basically like I'll, I'll kind of stipple with like a, a old dry brush or something i'll stipple yeah. rhinox hide and then on top of that i'll just do riser rust um and that just kind of gets the exact perfect vibe for it with a uh, because typhus corrosion has a lot of a little too much grit in it so it yeah. kind of it kind of i don't know it's just it, it it feels like an unrealistic level of rust which you know realism on my 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 play god worshiping space marines from the year 40,000 yeah you know but uh it, it, the texture just got a little odd on it when you when you really slapped on the corrosion i thought so i don't know how much of the uh, the weathering you've actually seen on my tanks um coming down off the treads and stuff Mm. watered down skag brown like two yeah. to one it's it's perfect it's that nice kind of dirty looks like wet rust is running so yeah pro that tip on that one that one's really good for for crevices and stuff i have done that a couple of times on vehicles yeah. i do need to uh go back and do that on some of my death skulls and um, buggies though because they're not there i did a good job i felt weathering with the um like get, getting that bright metal around the edges, like they've been bashing into shit. Yeah. But uh, I don't think I put quite enough rust effects on a lot of the panels. Oh, excuse me, got a burp that going is, there. <laughs> fair enough. That is a beautiful army too, by the way. Those, oh, those thank you. Vehicles you got, gorgeous. That was a fun I, game too, though. Yeah, the we'll have to do lot. another one. We'll yeah. have to do another one once we're done preparing for Age of Sigmar stuff. Yeah. Speaking of uh, games, is the the ones you got in against me the only ones you've played? Uh, well, before we get to that, uh, this podcast oh, yeah. is sponsored by Grip. And rip. This is a left-hand brewing company, White Russian Nitro Stout. Uh, white stout with coffee and vanilla added. So left-hand brewing, throw us a sponsorship. I am uh, I am once again going with the Terrapin Up High IPA, the uh, Citra Hopped Indian Pale Ale from the local beer company out here. Love uh, I love that one. Tony likes feeling like he's getting punched in the mouth with bitter. I like flavor. And that flavor is bitter. Yeah, I like flavor, and that flavor is coffee and vanilla. Apparently tonight, this is—it's actually—it's yeah, well, you know, <laughs> uh, it's their their Big Lebowski knockoff, uh, or oh. rather homage uh, can. It's got uh, uh, bowling pins and and the the white Russian drink and stuff on it. So it's uh, nice. on top of being one of my favorite movies, it's a really really good beer. Oh, sounds good, man. I have to try one of those sometime. For sure. But anyway, um, games played. So uh, for the first time this week, Tony and I tried out um, Tabletop Simulator, which uh, a lot of people have been using to run Warhammer games during peak pandemic lockdown, which uh, our particular state, we only had like two weeks of lockdown. And then we said, ah, fuck it, just whatever, go wild. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, we kind of discovered it's a good way to, to get in practice games without having to super commit to a list, go to the game shop, get your stuff packed up, get your stuff put back away after the game it's it, it eliminates a lot of the the time to try out what might be kind of a goofy list that's not necessarily going to work but you just want to give it a go to see how it might do yeah um, it has a has a bit of a learning curve on it you oh know my God, as all, all new programs do took us a little bit to get it started but once we got in there rolling dice um learning for sure don't roll the dice on the table because yes. you will send everything everywhere. Use yeah. the little traits, what it's for. Physics are a thing in that game, yeah. Yeah, they are. But uh, it's good. It's, it's a really cool way to check it out and play it. Uh, I ran a 
We did what a thousand point battle, I believe. I did. Yeah, we a, did it. We did a small one. Yeah. Yeah, I did a janky Skyer warp warplock Giselle warlock bombardier acolyte and storm fiend list that was just made of bullet. Yeah, yeah, you were not living up to the podcast name. Your dice were very hot that day. It's because they weren't real dice, Andrew. That's the trick. We're really good, <laughs> but only digitally. Yeah. Unless they're your armor saves. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, and against that list, I took a pretty standard Gloomspite Gits list. I did a, a 40-man brick of Grotz, a 20-man brick of Shudas, had a Loon Boss, had a Fungoid Cave Shaman, and then in the 40-man brick of Stabas, I had 10 Lunatics, uh, which... Oh, my God. <laughs> they, they, they did a lot of damage, but I rolled... Keeping with the name, I rolled pretty badly for their amount of attacks, so I wasn't able to shred through stuff like I should, and... Um, well, to, to put it mildly, I got Daka 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 right the fuck off the table. You yeah. you eliminated that brick of 40 grots in one turn of shooting, so that was fun. Each of the two Storm Fiends had 3d6 shots, so I was rolling 66, and I think I rolled like 31 on 66 or something stupid. Oh, you, you had a significant amount of 5s and 6s <laughs> on that roll. Yeah, it was... Uh... You know, all damage to rend one into a thing of squishy goblins. They did not last. No, and, and this is... Then half of them came back and died the next round. They would have done a lot better if we didn't have the third edition rules of you can only get a up to plus one modifier because I had a bunch of stuff which in second edition would have gotten them up to a three up armor save when it comes to missile attacks specifically. But uh, it was only it was only at a five up because... <laughs> uh, uh, I, still, I still like it though because it still counteracts the rend. Yeah, no, and I, I I appreciate it not being a hundred percent bullshit. There's definitely some builds that uh, were pretty stupid with those rules in second edition, so I completely see why. Stonehorns, perhaps? Uh, I have a personal vendetta against ogre armies, as uh, everybody will hear, because design-wise, I hate how they look, and rule-wise, I hate how they play. So um, he's just better. We went to a tournament, and then. In- three games he played twice against the same ogre list and guess which which game i actually had fun playing spoiler it was the one that wasn't against ogres <laughs> yeah uh we also got in another game um on a tabletop in person at our local shop yep this one was once again skaven versus uh, gits yep i ran my ninja rats which i'm quite fond of uh, you'll ninja, if you listen long enough or if we last rat, long enough ninja, yeah, exactly ninja, ninja rat, rats go, go ninja go, go ninja go, go. Uh, fantastic fun list ninja stars everywhere terrible terrible list but it really does some fun stuff yeah don't take that uh, one to the tournament <laughs> yeah no god no 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 it's um was it was a vermin lord deceiver uh vermin lord warp seer gnaw holes and then Every other slot was Night Runners. I believe it came up to like 110, something like that. You had a couple of units of Gutter Runners in there as well? Oh, I had, I had, did. I had one Gutter Runner, yeah. Yeah, because I had nine, I think it was nine Night Runner 10-man blocks, and then one Gutter Runner 10-man block. Yeah, that sounds right. And, uh, uh, it, it was against uh, your, your Trogs. Yes, I, t- I took a, a Trog herd, uh, my, my original Age of Sigmar love, Trolls, um, Took um, Trog Boss as my general, took one Dankhold Trogoth with him, took two units of six Rockgut Trogs. I hate saying Trog, it's just Troll. <laughs> troll sounds so much better. Uh, two six-man units of Rockguts and one six-man unit of Fellwater Trolls. And for the first time, I got to try out a mercenary Mega Gargant because I do have cool. a full-blown Mega Gargant army, but uh, I've never actually brought them as mercenaries until that game. I brought, um, oh gosh, what's his name? 
big drug Fort Kicka. Yeah, halitosis man. Yeah, the gatebreaker whose who's special uh, thing is that he can, at the end of a combat, just spew bad breath onto them. And if you roll, you, you roll a die for every model in a unit, and if you roll a six, it's just a mortal wound. He stinks that bad. Uh, and that motherfucker did work this game. Yeah, he did. I would say he was your MVP, but your MVP was my Vermin Lord's dice rolling. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I stood up to the name in that one. I could not hit anything. He barely, barely, this is a ninja rat god, barely killed a grot spellcaster. Oh yeah, and a fungoid cave shaman. I did take him. <laughs> yeah, I guess I did I did well against the first big troll. I went in there and just suplexed him into the ground. You did knock down the dank old. He was holding an objective pretty well. You came in, he was just kind of like, hey buddy, what's going on? Hang on a minute. And you just shanked him <laughs> in the kidneys. He yeah. he did get one hit off, and that one hit did do five damage to him yeah, because dank olds, dank olds are a runaway train of pain. They're just really expensive and very good chance of not hitting. I think they only get like three attacks or something. Something, so but uh yeah no and then then you got to my trog boss and boy oh boy did that glowy house it artifact <gasps> really help oh man i was you have I, nightmares i i we've discovered over the course of a few games that uh i i tend to roll either hot or cold i'm very polar i don't really get many threes and fours it's usually one or six and uh i rolled a lot of fives and sixes for that glowy house yeah um, you did i think it was something like 13 or 14 wounds it negated before for those of you who don't know there's it's it gives your troll general a four up feel no pain which i actually forgot about i thought it was a five up feel no pain so realistically it actually did even better um but it gives you a four up feel no pain but every time you roll for it if you roll a one he will then eat the artifacts and you no longer have it for the rest of the game become because trolls are stupid not only did he not eat it for three in-game rounds, it it's negated something like 14 wounds. and At least. Yeah, and, and just kept him in the game for so long, and you just kept trying to kill him to get um, the Slay the Warlord uh, yeah. uh, battle tactic and just couldn't quite pull it off. And then I was able to charge in my Fellwater Trogs after that, and the combined powers of them were able to, to nuke your, your Deceiver? Is that what it's called? Deceiver, yeah, that was the yeah. Deceiver. Nuke the Deceiver. <laughs> The, the warps here was the one whiffing at the other trolls. Mm -hmm. And then my <laughs> rock gut trogs were able to hold down the... You just said it, and I already forgot the name. <laughs> warps here. Warps here. My rock gut trogs <laughs> were able to tie down your warps here and got them down to, like, three or four wounds. And then they got mobbed by about 30 or 40 rats and drugged down and two assassins. Yeah, that was pretty good. And then big <laughs> big drug Fort Kicker came in after mulching through about 60 rats on his own and just just in about two hits just completely smashed the warps here away. So yeah. it was a... Uh, but it was a really even game the whole time. It was. I, I think it ended what seventeen to sixteen, and it was very. Close. It was the last, the last what turn and a half that really, really determined it. Yeah. Because neither of us managed to get slay the warlord. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was. It was a really, really fun swingy match. There were, there were definitely rounds where I was like, "Oh well, this is it. I'm going to lose." And then, then it flip, and I go, "Oh well, okay. Maybe, maybe I'll be able to pull this one back." And uh, in the end, I just barely eked out that victory. 
You would have done it a lot quicker if you could have actually killed squads of rats at once instead of killing nine of the ten every yeah. time. I, I would roll super well with my rock guts, and I would kill nine out of ten every time, but I was never able to finish a unit. I never once was able to just completely wipe a unit in one round except with my Mega Gargant because he just <laughs> pours out so much damage. That's why I would stick two units against the Mega Gargant where there was still one or two guys left. <laughs> Didn't matter yeah. in the end. I, sh- I should have fed them a lot slower to you, but what can you do? Yeah, no, I think... Uh, Realistically, Gloomspite, just from what I was reading online and my experiences, uh, Gloomspites are in kind of a weird, not quite having a new codex area of 3rd edition so far, so it really feels like having a, a Mega Gargant Mercenary is kind of a, a good way for them to to lean on a new, more powerful unit so that they can actually have the time to work some of their cooler, Gloomspitier shit that they can do. Um, because I found personally that Gloomspite you know, to cross the board, Trogs, Grots, Spiderfang, whatever, um, Squigs, they just, they don't have consistent enough damage output on top of having very bad saves, so it, it, a lot of the, the synergies that you can get with other armies like uh, Cities of Sigmar and stuff like that, or or Zinchi and Demon Lists, uh, it's just, it, it's really, really swingy with gets. It's very hard for them to actually do consistent, good, solid damage, unless you're just going to commit to the million grot march and bring 240 grots onto the table, which that's just kind of boring to me. Yeah, I think that's why, uh, why our games tend to go so well, though, is because I also run Skaven, which is about as swingy. Yeah. But I mean, most of my stuff is D6 or 2D6 shots, and my synergy is doubling that out where things then hurt me more. And and in Skaven defense, you do also tend to run the, the sillier lists, like having a, a list of 120 Eshin ninjas. I'm hurt that you say just in Skaven list. In everything, I run silly dumb lists, because they're fun. You know what? You're, you're definitely right. We will have a segment about that later in the in the in the podcast. Hey, you're just jealous because I love my Bretonians, and my Bretonians did great at that tournament. <laughs> they MVPs. I really wish you could bring them to this tournament because nobody would know what to do. <laughs> well, they're significantly worse in 3.0. Nah, that's definitely fair. Because I mean, who's going to actually update the rules for them in 3.0? Because they were <laughs> they were kind of a weird legacy army in second edition, let alone yeah. in the edition where they're like, no, seriously, those guys are gone. Stop using them. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, speaking of the the tournament that we were talking about, uh, if you've listened so far this episode, you've probably divined we are going to the road show in New Orleans. So that's uh, that's what we want to talk trip. about now. Yeah, exactly. So our first segment, we're going to talk about preparing for a tournament. Things you need, things to bring, things to have. So, uh, Andrew, you want to start us off? T- t- tell us a little bit about you know some of your tournament prep. Oh well, uh, I've really only been to. One tournament in my life. It was that that one we did over at uh, Meeple Madness, which oh. was yeah. No, I'm 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 really not a terribly competitive Warhammer player. Um, the only time the, for the majority of my my wargaming career, I lived in a place where it would take me two plus hours to really get anywhere to even play a game of Warhammer for mm. a while. I I grew up in the boonies and went to school in the boonies and went to college in the boonies, so there was just not much of that going around. And it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s that I even got to a place that I could consistently play Warhammer. Um, so my my one game was kind of, or my one tournament was kind of a, a local gaming store. And it was fun. Yeah. And I got my dick stomped in by ogres because, you know, ogres. <laughs> but, Twice. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that one game against Bone Split of Orcs, that was actually fun. I still lost, but it was at least fun. Um, but yeah, so... My tournament prep is uh, whip a list up that sounds kind of like fun, uh, hop a ride with one of your buds, and, and go down to a, a cool <laughs> place to throw dice for a few hours. 
That's that's living the dream right there. Yeah. It was not a good list. I took squig hoppers. <laughs> they all died horribly. But did you have fun? I 33% had fun <laughs> out of the three games I played. Uh, it, it was a fun tournament. Yeah, so I've gone to uh, a handful of tournaments. Most of the ones I go to were generally pretty, pretty local. Uh, I've carried some armies up to Dragon Con before. I've gone to a games day before when they were still in Atlanta. So I've traveled, I, the farthest I've traveled is about two, two and a half hours for one. Um, this one is a, a bit farther. It's not plain far, though, so we haven't we haven't had a tackle plain far yet. It's on that edge where I, I did look up plane tickets just to see if it was feasible, and um, yeah. <laughs> it was almost plain feasible, and ticket prices weren't miserable, but it would have essentially doubled our costs, which, you know. It's a, it's a bit much given uh, the current climate. Yeah, we got we got a big enough vehicle to get the three of us down there. It's about a eight and a half hour drive, give or take. Give or take, yeah. So, so yeah, so you know, for the tournament, especially being that far away, we're not going to have the the act the quick access to everything we would at our local shop. It's also being held at a hotel, which means that there's not going to be like, oh man, I forgot this. I'm just going to run over here to the shelf and grab it real quick. And we're not going to stay at the hotel that the the event is being hosted at, so we won't even have the luxury of going, oh, gosh, let me hop on the elevator real quick. So. Grab something from my room, yeah. So a yeah. couple of the big things that, in, in my experience to bring, other than, of course, your army, your list, backup lists, things like that, uh, super glue, I bring a whole suite of hobby tools with me. I've got super glue, a hobby knife, a file, and a pair of clippers. I don't bring a mold line remover because I shouldn't be building models, but all those other things are really useful for repairing models. Or if you're uh, a, a man, you can just use the back of your Zacto knife like everyone else does. Yeah, I, I generally do that. But <laughs> the mold line remover tool is actually awesome. If you've never used it, it's fantastic. I have actually been meaning to get one for a while. It's just one of those things where it's like, ah, it's like $9. I don't need to spend whatever. <laughs> I don't want to have to be like the guy who's like, I drive a Lexus. Be like, I have a mold line remover. Mm, I spent less than $12 on a small piece of metal. I will buy painting handles until the day I die, though. Those are the greatest thing that GW's ever created in my mind. Honestly, they do help significantly. If you, They're if, awesome. If you are listening and do not have a painting handle, get one. It really helps. Yeah, I've, I've done it all. I've done the pill bottles. I've done the corks. I tried one of the weird little 3D printed things. I hated that. That was way worse. The one where you got to, like, put your finger on top to stabilize it. Yeah. No, no, thank you. I haven't tried the newest uh, painting handle that looks a bit more like a butt plug than their previous oh, ones. Oh, yeah, the big one? Though, I was going to say, I paint mostly small stuff, so I don't really need that. But I guess with, uh, with Storm Fiends, that'd be helpful. But their base is big enough where I can usually hold that without hurting my hand. Uh, I did get the jumbo size one. That was back when I had kind of the like weird rounded octagonal handle. Um, mm. I got that for my my cruel boys. Uh, oh gosh, what is it called? Kill a boss on Nash Tooth. Uh, that actually that helped significantly with that model. It was really good because it's it the weird push fit models. It's really hard to to build them in such a way that it's easier to paint a lot of uh, undersides and backs of shields and things like that without you pretty much just have to put the whole model together and a painting handle really did help tremendously with getting yeah. into all those little nooks and crannies that are otherwise pretty difficult to to get a brush to god okay so definitely definitely hobby tools we got a little on a tangent there but definitely the tools to actually repair your models and good super glue i don't generally carry plastic glue to tournaments because mm -hmm. i don't want to sit there and hold a model for you know 20 minutes i think it would be worth taking a tube just for when you get back to hotel airbnb box under a bridge wherever you're staying for the tournament yeah. uh just it's... just for if you do have a really big break that super glue is not going to fix properly i think it would be worth taking a tube just in case 
Yeah, that's fair. Uh, the other couple of things, I plan on bringing a couple of the paints that I use primarily for my army. That way, if I do have the brakes or chips or I drop something or something gets dropped on it or something shifts funny, I'm not going to have a weird scratched off piece of paint that I can't at least quickly touch up and make look good. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'll carry I'll carry a couple of contrasts, my primary things, just snake bite leathers, things like that. Things are going to be on your edges that are going to get hit. Yeah, for sure. But that's just me. A lot of people aren't going to carry paints. I'm kind of weird about that because it's it's all I'll look at in the game is that one like the guy's tail's missing a paint color on it. For for as much as I I go on and about actually finishing my models and painting all the way properly, when something like that happens in a game, I just slap super glue on it and deal with it later. It doesn't bug me until That's I get fair. back home. Uh, you've seen how I treat my trolls. They're they're the the right level of too big for a normal case so i just like kind of throw them in my battle foam case where there's i don't i didn't bother buying the proper cutout foam tray for them so they're just in like the free space section of my bag and i just sort of stuff some random bits of foam around them and and in my defense none of the paint has chipped and even the little uh the centipedes antenna on my trog boss i've had that thing rattling around in a box for like three years at this point and it still hasn't broken so i'm doing something right that's where uh that's where your good luck goes from your bad dice luck is there hey those models are expensive so i will take that luck fair enough i will take that luck and i will hold it tight that's uh, that's one of the other good things to have when you're traveling to a tournament if you're going to a local tournament i've seen everything from people throwing literally armies in kroger bags mm -hmm. uh at my old old hobby shop we had a guy who he, he called it his bag of orcs and it was just like two gallon ziploc bags full <laughs> of orc boys that he would just open and upend onto the table and when he was done he would just Oh my god. With those goofy gorilla orcs, I could totally see it. Maybe not these new ones that are coming out within the month or so, but oh man, those old ones. After you paint your 60th orc, you're just like, I don't give a shit about these little fuckers anymore. Just, just, just. Yeah, but it's it's got metal war bosses and like metal, it's got all this metal in it too, and he's just, just scooping it in like he's on fucking supermarket sweep, man. <laughs> You always go for the turkeys. That's the biggest. Always go for the buck. turkeys. Yeah, D deli meat and turkey. That's where it's at. If if any of our listeners are ever on supermarket sweep, that thing that hasn't been on the air for about twenty years. That's not true. Game Show Network did it about f six or seven years ago. Did they? Now there's also Guy Fieri's little supermarket show where they go and they collect a whole bunch of ingredients. And they come back and they cook some. It's actually kind of entertaining. That doesn't sound horrible. And as as goofy as Guy Fieri is in in his uh, TV persona. I hear he's a really good, good, good guy. So if I ever rip on Guy Fieri, know that it is from a place of uh, lighthearted fun. Not that I dislike the guy. Apparently, he's really big into donating to charity and stuff. So you know, he's he's good in my book. Supposed to be a super, super cool guy. I would love to meet him. He, I don't think he ever did anything with Smash Mouth, but he always strikes me as the embodiment of Smash Mouth. It's because he looks like the lead singer. I know. Somebody once told me he's going to make me a burger that has like six thousand calories, and then I'll die. I'm okay with that. <laughs> if I'm going to go, that's the way I want it to be. The, the death burger? Or flipping a supercar. Either one of those two things. How about eating a death burger while flipping a supercar? I don't want to get anything on the leather interior. Oh, yeah, just just your blood. Uh, anyway, we were talking about <laughs> yeah. tournaments, but then we got yeah. off on Food Network stars from the yeah. mid-2000s. You'll get that a lot from us. Yeah. It always comes back, though. But uh, it, it all got off because we were talking about the guy scooping, scooping orcs into bags. Mm. That's, a, that's another really key thing. When you're traveling a good either case or storage system, uh, next to me, I literally, Andrew's seen it. I have shelves of all kinds of different storage systems. Uh, I've got a nice battle foam. 
it's not a magna is it a magna rack magna rack might be the table war no table war is tower so it's the magna rack uh so that's pretty much what, what my hobby progress has been recently is putting magnets on the bottom of you know 200 some odd rats for this thing uh that's the cases i prefer i've got an a case that i got a couple of years ago that my bretonians live in and if uh you played warhammer fantasy not age of sigmar back in the day you've seen the bretonia models they're horses half the riders are metal they're held on by a tiny peg you can't glue them on because they don't fit properly so it's all on that peg flexing back and forth and that a case i mean that thing's literally been tossed in the back of a car with 60 metal knights in it and holds them great so i'm now upgrading with the uh, magna rack xl 1520 from battle foam because they had a sale on and i was like yolo i guess and bought one so we'll see how that does for for my scale. you, you saved yeah, it what, was. like 25 percent on it or something like that yeah i think i saved on, on my whole order i saved like 160 dollars or something i mean you spent like 360 but you know i, sp- I spent like 400 and something but anyway yeah yeah that's how i feel anytime i buy computer parts from like this is yeah. fine i can afford this i can't afford this but I'm, I'm going to get my usage out of it. I'm, I'm definitely going to get mileage, slight pun intended there, out of it as well. I mean, even just making that trip to New Orleans and back, I would love going to more tournaments. I don't necessarily enjoy the competitiveness yeah. so much. I do enjoy the atmosphere of it, though. No, I, as I said last game, I'm happy to lose every game for the rest of my life as long as it's fun and against a good person who understands that games are meant to be fun. Exactly. And that's one of the things, uh, here, here's my hot take for the day. I think Sigmar is a better game than 40K. I love I 40K. Agree, I yes. love the fluff. I love the armies. I love the setting. It's what got me into this hobby. Sigmar and Age of uh, Age of Sigmar and Warhammer Fantasy never super did it for me. Like I've always liked Skaven because I grew up on Ninja Turtles, and when you told me I could have an army of Master Splinter, uh, it's like five-year-old me you went absolutely ape shit so i now have an army of master splinters and bretonians because i mean what what kid didn't love arthurian knights of the round table yep but the rules are more streamlined even before 3.0 the rooms, rules were more streamlined i don't have to memorize you know 30 pages of stratagems and carry eight books around with me yeah i I, same boat as Tony. I love 40k to death. The universe is great. I love the vast majority of the factions other than eh, Eldar, Tau, a few others. But let's not get into that quite yet. But just it's it, the current rule set. I, I felt like maybe a year after 8th edition came out, it was in kind of the perfect place where everybody had their codex. There weren't tons of supplement books yet. So you just had just your basic couple of ways you could build your armies and that was it and everybody was just like all right this is the dark eldar way you build this is the the blood angels way you build and it was a really good place and then they started releasing more and more campaign books which narratively i like if you're going to play like a big i don't know over the weekend thing with all your buds at the local game shop but just more and more rules bloat happened and by the end of eighth edition you had 12 books you had to take with you and then ninth edition happened and i was like oh thank god we're gonna have a reset but then they immediately started putting out more of those uh, campaign books so we have the exact same problem here, what, eight months into ninth edition? No, yeah, Give or take. A little over a year, maybe? I'm not exactly sure when Ooh, it came no, out. No, I think it's a little, I think, yeah, it's about a year. Yeah, so we're already pretty much back to the rules bloat of eighth edition in ninth edition, which core rules, I think they did a really good job of solidifying stuff with a lot of stuff yep. like the new blast rule, which helps uh, tanks feel good. Tanks actually being able to not be complete garbage in combat if they get into yeah. melee anymore. There's, there's a lot of 
streamlined stuff that's good. However, there's so much bloat on top of it, and I am not... Much as I really want those new orc models, I'm really not excited to learn all of their new rules and all of their new stratagems and all of their new battalions, and they're kind of bringing back the... Um, Oh, gosh, what were they? The Regiments or whatever from 7th Edition? Yeah, like the Regiments of Renown. Yeah, they're kind of bringing those back in 9th Edition, and 7th Edition is pretty universally panned as easily the worst edition of 40K, so I'm, I'm tentatively uh, nervous about this. I, I don't I don't really want it to go back to that, and I'm, I'm if, if it does, I'm happy to go back to 8th Edition, but ugh. long rambling... Uh, uh, thing aside, uh, Age of Sigmar significantly more streamlined, especially with this third edition codex. There's, there's, or rule book rather. There's, there's. Uh, it feels like initially there's more rules to learn, but once you actually know them off the cuff, it feels. I don't know if elegance quite the right word, but it's a, it's it's streamlined. It's it's it, it, it's it much flows more streamlined. Well. Yeah. So that there you go. Age of Sigmar, good rule set overall, like eight out of ten, give or take. Yeah, and see, and that ties in very well to going back into uh, the tournament prep and stuff is not only knowing those rules, but kind of being mentally ready to do multiple games in a day. Yes. Age of Sigmar is much easier to do that in a 40 K I've played 40 K tournaments. I've played Sigmar tournaments. Sigmar tournaments. Don't leave me feel like my brain was put. Don't leave me feeling like my brain was put in a blender for a day. A long, hard Sigmar game takes maybe two hours. A long, yeah, two, hard... two and a half, depending on what's played. Yeah, if you're doing a 2K of Sigmar versus 2K of 40K, uh, a 2K of Sigmar is about two hours. A 2K of 40K is closer to four, unless you really know what you're doing. Granted, at a tournament, they have times, so you're, you're done after an hour and a half or whatever. But at that point, yeah. you just don't feel like you have enough time to actually get the points you need to even do anything. The uh, I did do one local 40k tournament at uh, the local shop and it was in an, in an afternoon so it wasn't anything special but i felt way too rushed during that i didn't i didn't feel like mm-hmm. i could do well at all which is a shame because oh. there was a couple of games i would have won if i had like 30 more minutes i will say the the time clocks in the tournament is going to be a new thing for me because i've never played one that has clocks and i believe the road showed they are using time clocks on yeah we're gonna have to pretty much memorize the rules if yeah. not like the back of our hands, at least be competent enough to where we only have to refer to the rule book once or twice instead of, I don't know, every other turn like we do. Well, we're what? We're four, five games in, really? And it is and still a pretty fresh rule set, yeah. Yeah, and each time we've done it, we've tweaked our lists a little bit to streamline them or to, to adjust them to what we're looking for at the tournament. So mm-hmm. we're having to learn new unit rules as well. Yeah, and much as I really want to take my new Cruel Boys army to the tournament, uh, it's just, I don't think they're going to release the new kits in time for me to simultaneously learn the rules and paint all the models I want, because... Uh, paint in uh, my passenger seat on a nine-hour car ride. I'm good. I'm not that good. <laughs> Let's be real. That's 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 the equivalent of painting outside the lines. I'm zigging and zagging everywhere. <laughs> You're right. Uh, I, I would put myself as a, a high amateur, semi-professional at best when it comes to painting, and the, I I don't have the kung fu skills for road painting, but um, yet. Yet. I guess there is, you know, practice makes perfect. And technically, for most tournaments, you do really only have to have three colors on there. So, yeah, three colors and a base, a yeah. painted base. So, but Th- there's a like, few things better when you're painting, though, than doing that victory lap around the end when you finish that model. Mm, I love it. Oh, it's very nice. I, I did that yeah. with my cruel boys. And then I immediately looked over to my right and I saw all the, the, the primed <laughs> a black carbon other copy cruel of it. boys. Yeah. I'm. Um, I'm really thankful that the Hobgrots are mostly skin, because uh, I can dry bust the shit out of skin. I can do that. Yeah. 
it's almost like you've painted entire armies of orc skin before. Oh, what? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, what, huh? No, back to not our, Andrew. To, to our inspirations. You were talking about Ninja Turtles for your for your skin. Oh, yeah. And I think Warcraft 2 is why I like green skin so much, because oh, orcs were enough. always my favorite army back in Warcraft 2. I, as, as dog shit as Blizzard has become in the past 10 plus years, thanks Activision, uh, I do have a, a very deep spot of nostalgia for, for just the general Warcraft universe. Uh <laughs> Even though World of Warcraft has gone up its own ass at least three times over at this point in terms of storytelling, but uh, I just I just like me some greenskins. They're fun. What can I say? The uh, the biggest tip for a tournament though is drink tons of water. Yes, Ton- you're on your feet all day. Comfortable shoes are huge. Stretch when you wake up. Stretch your hips. Stretch your legs. Stretch stretch your ankles. Make sure just your general lower half is limber because you're gonna have back pain. You're gonna have hip mm-hmm. pain, and if you have that on the first day, you're definitely gonna have it by the last day. Yeah, walk around between your games. Don't just stand at the table or go sit down. Like you wanna you wanna keep moving. You wanna keep stretched out. Drinking lots of water. Um, I I like to do Gatorade or even those like um. Oh, what are they called? Little flavor crystal things. I can't think of the name of the stuff. Oh, I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember either. Well, I mean, Walmart and Kroger and all of them have their own knockoff, so you, you can find it. It's 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 a way to stay hydrated. You get a little bit of sugar to give you some energy. It's it's not as bad as having like a Coke or a Pepsi or whatever. So it's yeah. There's uh there's also some that have electrolytes in them that are also really good. Um, yeah, depending which, on you know how hot the tournament is. Yeah, if you're if you're a, a heavier guy and you tend to sweat a lot, you might want a Gatorade. <laughs> Exactly. Like, I've, I've gone to Dragon Con before and been in the that game room. Sometimes that mm. game room is, like, 40 degrees and freezing. Other times that game room is, like, 140 degrees and you feel like you're going to die. I think that uh, is a, an excellent transition into a next great point for large tournament spaces with lots of people packed together. Bring a fucking stick of deodorant, my dude. Yes. Don't nobody want to smell your fat flaps. We want you to smell, like, uh, at best nothing, uh, at worst, like, some kind of Axe body spray. I mean, just I'd rather smell Axe all day long than Mm -hmm. than somebody's B.O., especially like, oh, I've been out at a con for three or four days, B.O. Yeah, con funk is woof. Have a shower. It's fine. Just get soap. You don't have to have anything special. Bar Irish Spring doesn't cost you all that much. It's like a buck fifty or something. Just be hygienic and cleanly. That's all we ask. Yeah, seriously. Brush your teeth, bring breath mints for after lunch, whatever you got to do. Though, you more than likely be wearing masks on this. We, we shouldn't have to tell you this, but some people do need to be reminded on occasion, shower every day or two, you know. Especially if yeah. you're going to New Orleans with us. It's it's only early October, so it's still probably going to be a little bit warm down there. So, you know, just, it's, it's a bayou. Just take a yeah. shower. Yeah, deodorant, comfortable shoes, toiletry bag change of clothes don't wear the same shirt for three days at a convention or a tournament for the love of god do not it will be covered in beer sweat and sadness not necessarily in that order that's another thing it's cool to drink don't get like sloppy drunk i guess though nobody nobody yeah. wants to play against a drunk because you might get your rules mixed up you might get mad if you start losing we just you know handle your shit conventions and tournaments both loud both not good for being hungover. <laughs> you save that for the last day on the drive home. Yeah, please. I'll probably be the one driving. You're saving that for the ride home. <laughs> I mean, I'm willing to. I'm willing to flip flop. I yeah, have a driver's that's license. Fair. That's true. You, you drive a tiny little like electric leaf. I. I mean, I've driven cars that were also powered by liquefied dinosaurs before. I mean, all right, cool. I, I know how to drive. It's all good. It's only metal if your car is fueled by corpses. 
I hit minus fueled by corpses at a power plant way far away that I then funnel via metal into my car. Your uh, your car is powered by birds dying callously into windmills? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something is fueling my car. It may or may not be uh, eco-friendly. I'm not sure. But it's electrical, whatever it is. Spite and bad luck. Yeah. If I could fuel my car with spite, it would have been running perfectly for the past four years or so. Speaking of that supercar, I'm going to crash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, those are those are the big things for tournaments. Uh, you got anything else on the tournament scene there, Andrew? Um, oh, backup dice and tape measurers. Yes, yes. Have, have all your tools. Don't bum off people unless you absolutely have to because, again, we're still in a pandemic. You don't want to have to share germs any extra than you need to. It's... There's a very solid chance they're going to have to show proof of vaccination for this tournament. There's a very solid chance we're going to enforce at least some light social distancing. So sharing of tools and, and dice might not even be allowed at the tournament. So just, you know, just have your own stuff. Yeah, one of the things I was taught from a very young age from my dad, like, if you ever meet me in person, you'll realize that I carry all kinds of stuff with me. I am the team dad because I've always got like a go bag full of useful stuff. I was always taught. If you have to have it, carry two. I, uh, uh, Tony might not know this. I am actually an Eagle Scout, and one of the Scouts' main mottos was be prepared. Be so. prepared. I, too, am an Eagle Scout, Andrew. Fuck yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, Eagle, look at that. Eagle, Eagle Scout over microphone high five. Cuckoo. All right. <laughs> Just have your dice, have your, have your measuring tools, have a clipboard, have your list printed and available for your opponent to see if they mm-hmm. request it, because that is one of the new rules, at least in Age of Sigmar, is, like, be willing to show your lists just so we know you're not cheating be courteous uh this all boils down to the golden rule of adulthood which is do not be a dick yeah one of uh, one of the other little things i always carry to all my games is uh i have a tiny little toolbox tackle box thing like one of those little plano cases of chits yep that i use to remind me of everything because i will forget stuff so if you play a game against me you'll see i've got like plus one this minus two that that just everywhere on my side of the table and that's not only to help me remember but it also uh, I like transparency in a game. I don't like gotchas. So if my opponent can be like, oh, they've definitely got that plus one on there too. Cool. And it's not like, oh, no, no, no. I totally cast that. You just must not have seen it. Yeah, exactly. You, know? you it, The whole point of the game is you don't want a gotcha. You just want to win because you're a better mm-hmm. general or, let's be real, because your dice rolled better. <laughs> yeah. So, so is it uh, in Cobra Kai, is it, is it better to kill the most badass lion in the jungle or to kill like a lame weakened mule? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go ahead and assume it's the badass one. I haven't actually seen the show yet. Yeah. What? Oh, you're missing out. It's great. I love eh, it. That's what I hear. Yeah. I'll get to it eventually. I'm, I'm currently working my way through the, the, the Harley Quinn cartoon. It's all right. But, you know, uh, I, I did recently get through uh, all of Babylon 5, though, kicking it 90s style when it comes to sci-fi. Which I'm psyching myself up to do a Star Trek and watch it all because I've seen like maybe four episodes of Star Trek in my life is Lower Deckers. I'll take this moment to remind our listeners: we are not just board gaming; we are a general nerd podcast. We just mostly All do flavors nerd. of nerd. No, mostly do board games. 
I believe we could best be described as polygamerous, if you will. Yeah, we, we, we are multifaceted when it comes to nerdy things that we would have gotten the shit kicked out of us for back in the 80s. Case in point, our 15-minute tangent about Star Trek. Uh, I can go off on Star Trek, my dude. Oh, I know. Oh, if we did D&D, God help us both. There wouldn't be enough recording We will have to have this. like five straight weeks where we just go off on D&D shit, because I have a, a campaign that's over four years in the making at this point, and my wizard is silly. Yeah, that's that's what we need to do is we just need to put a mic between us one day, Andrew, and just do like a fourteen hour just marathon of D and D talking. I could legitimately probably do it. I'd have to Dude. I'd honestly have to go back and take notes and call up some of my, my fellow co players where I go, Hey, what was that dumb thing my wizard did back in like, I don't know, the second year we were playing? Oh, that's when he did X with the Hydra. Ah, right, the Hydra, right. <laughs> but anyway, um, back to tournaments. Yeah, back to tournaments. So, you know, that's that's kind of what we recommend going to not only tournaments, but also it's a good rule of thumb for conventions, anything like that as well. All right, so uh, one of the other segments we like to do on our show is, you know, our tool tips. What's, like, uh, like useful things to have for the hobby that aren't necessarily hobby-related? Like, I'm not going to talk about, oh, the, the, the Army Builder Clippers versus the Games Workshop Clippers or you know, different types of exacto knives and blade tips, unless it's something really obscure, like glue brands. Though I will say, Tester's plastic cement with the metal pipe is way better than any other plastic cement. So, just saying. Mm-hmm. What is it? The uh, Tester's non-toxic liquid cement for plastic models with the metal piece on it. Comes in like a weird baseball diamond shape one. Oh, I use the kind that comes in the blue tube. Oh, really? Oh, man, you're missing out. You're missing Am out. I? Yeah, it's, that's literally the kind I've used ever since I got into Warhammer. It's like the one hobby thing I picked that was right from the beginning, and I've I've used it ever since then. So the uh, yes, this, I say we're not going to talk about glue. We're going to talk about glue a little bit in this one, guys. Yeah, I mean it's freeform. <laughs> it's just whatever feels useful for the hobby. Yeah. So it's the Tester's liquid cement that I like to use. It's the shape of it is kind of like baseball diamond and. If you've seen a baseball diamond, you'll know what I mean. It's not nece- it's not like a triangle. It actually goes out and then kind of angles back a, a little bit. It's a diamond with the top corner shaved off. Exactly. Pretty much. <laughs> but it's uh, it's got like a fine applicator tip on it as well. The one I have right now is the plastic uh, tip because I didn't realize it when I bought it. There is one that comes with a metal tip. And what's great about that is whenever your glue gets clogged, because, you know, plastic cement, it hardens on itself. Even with the lid on it, just taking it on and off, it's going to get clogged from little bits in it. Yep. The metal tip, what you can do is you can hold a, a lighter. I usually keep my Zippo in my hobby area. Put my lighter n- near mm-hmm. it, and it actually heats up and melts that glue back out, and you just kind of purge that little bit off. And then you don't have to worry about clog. It keeps. It's a metal applicator tip, so it's always going to be a pristine tip on it. It's great. Recommend I I 100%. Have, I have too many caustic chemicals around my work desk to, to feel safe having a Zippo around it. <laughs> Well, you know, I find the Zippo more useful than, like, a match or something like that. No, that's fair. That's fair. I was more referring to open flame in general. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, because I, I, I do have a bottle of mineral spirits on the side for my other not Warhammer-related projects. So, uh, I guess that's a tool tip. Make sure your tools are properly secured when you're not using them. Don't have yes. caustic flammable chemicals just out in your work area. This, uh, As with our previous discussion about uh, 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 cleanliness in, in a tournament, uh, I shouldn't have to tell you this as alleged adults, but be safe. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't burn your house down because you you wanted to to work with I don't know a soldering iron or something, or a hot glue gun. Those get very hot. They really you do. You can Especially... you can light things on fire with the tip of a glue gun if you were not careful. 
Oh, especially those industrial ones, because they, they do mm-hmm. have different temperature glue guns. You can get the little tiny ones that are for, it's a quote, safe for children, even though you can definitely get burned on them. And then they have the, the big boy ones for industrial uses that will burn your house down if you're not careful. Yeah. Uh, basic rule of thumb for hot glue guns in our hobby. They're great for terrain and stuff, but if it has a dial to adjust the temperature, you don't need that for your terrain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is a way too powerful hot glue gun for what we do. And uh, calling back to our previous episode, don't use them to put your models together. Isn't that right, Tony? Don't use it to put your models together. <laughs> it's forgivable when you're 12, but again, yeah. if you're an adult, probably don't do that. Turns it's, out 12 years old me, 12 year old me was a monster. Tester's glue is cheap. It's affordable. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on eBay. You can get it on Michael's. Don't shop Hobby Lobby. Those guys are assholes. Uh, you know, you. there's one thing I buy from Hobby Lobby. And mm. that's only because we don't have a hobby town around here. And it's my super glue. What, what super glue do you use? That that seems like it, a good one for our tool tips area. There you go. Yeah, since, since we're already talking about glues, well, we'll put the original tooltip to a later episode because glue's important, especially since we talked about it with our tournament. Yeah, yeah. So I use, it is the medium gel glue that's from Hobby Lobby. It's not necessarily their brand. It's that kind of generic brand super glue, but it comes in, um, I don't have a bottle near me and I've, I don't really want to run all the way across the house to the Hobby Room to grab it right now, but it's, uh, it's in like a little green bottle, green cap, the one I use. Uh, I think Frank uses the blue one. It's extra thin. I don't like that. I like the medium gel. It's got a good texture. It's got you a good consistency. You don't want the watery stuff because that's how it just slips out on your fingers and then you get your exactly. fucking Space Marine Terminator glued to your finger. Yeah. Or a magnet that you can't remove from your thumb for like 10 minutes. But then you're like the world's worst magneto. Uh, yeah, especially considering that the polarity was backwards on what I was trying to do. I am the second most interesting Marvel villain and you shall fear me. Galactus? No. It's Magneto and then Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom is the best Marvel villain. Ah, another conversation for another day. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, another nerd tangent for later. Oh, God, we could have a whole Marvel episode, not even touching the movies, just touching comics and cartoons and stuff. I'm going to go ahead and throw this hot take, though. Magneto was not a bad guy. But we'll do it. We'll do a Marvel hot takes episode later. But as of now, super glue. Yeah, so that's the one that I tend to get. You can also get it. Uh, I initially found that glue. We had a place out here called Athens Hobby. It was like a RC car, train, and Warhammer store. It doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. I think I went to that once when I was a kid because I didn't yeah. live in Athens. I just lived within driving distance of Athens. It was a great shop. Chris in our group actually worked there in high school and stuff. That's where most of his models are from. Oh, from that's there. cool. So, yeah. So, yeah. A lot of us still have a bunch of third ed stuff floating around because we're grognards. We've been in the hobby for 20 years. Chris has been in the hobby almost as long as I have, and he played his first game three months ago. Which is completely acceptable. You do you when it comes to hobbying. If you you just like building and painting, cool. If you just like collecting, cool. Yeah, this is a hobby of hobbies. The the game is, it's, it's the thing you get to at the end of the hobby once you have built and painted everything and have your lovely, gorgeous collection, and you want to go, hmm, I want to spend two to nine hours with my buddies rolling dice and then eventually get really frustrated because my feet hurt and I'm tired and hungry. Well, that's because you didn't wear comfortable shoes or hydrate well enough. I, I, I personally do. This is just me throwing out examples. Oh, apologies. Uh, but yeah, so that that super glue that I use, you can also get it at um, Hobby Town USA. Has it? You always find it. It's always on the same weird metal slidey rack, and it's never with the Warhammer stuff. It's nope. almost always with the RC stuff. 
Yeah, I think it's probably because it's meant to be like a specific like plastic glue for like the body frames of RC cars. I'm not exactly sure because you you want to have that super thin applicator to like get yeah. between the bits and bobs. Um, me personally, I generally just use the Gorilla Glue uh, medium gel. It comes mm -hmm. with a little blue top. Yeah, it's a great um, one too. That's a great one. It's 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 not instant dry, so you have you have a little bit of wiggle room before your model gets glued to wherever it is. I mainly use it for uh, gluing models to terrain because uh, I do a lot of um, texture paints. I do corkboard, um, sand uh, adjacent stuff like the 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 army painter like gravel, which I think is actually just painted cork. Um, I believe so. It definitely has that texture to it. Yeah, because it's not it's not like proper sand which i don't like using actual sand in my bases it feels weird it doesn't look like it should to me but anyway um yeah so i just use the 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 blue gorilla glue uh it works pretty well for most things i would still use plastic cement for the vast majority of my actual model assembly but there are certain things that super glue just does that model glue doesn't and vice versa yeah, I tend to lean more towards the super glue on most things. Uh, if it's a big join that might be weak, like my tanks, I use a lot of plastic glue on. Mm. But most infantry models and things, I just use super glue. Anything that's likely to, to take a little tumble, I would rather use super glue on because then I know at least the point that's most likely to break is going to be the point where the model is already meant to be separated instead of something that I don't want to break. Right. I, I want the glue to fail before the plastic does. Exactly, because if the plastic fails, then you either have to go back with the plastic cement and essentially, mm -hmm. like, kind of sculpt it as it's melting or yep. go back and fix it with milliput or green stuff or whatever you use. Um, uh, hobby tip for, for super glue versus plastic cement. If you do use nothing but super glue, uh, if your model is built in a way that you don't like or you knew you assembled something incorrectly, if you did mm -hmm. just super glue, you can put it in the freezer and it'll break apart. Yep. Uh, which you can't do with plastic cement because plastic cement is not a glue, it's a cement, so it melts the plastic together to make mm -hmm. a proper bond. It's, it becomes one piece instead of two. And you can break it, it just takes a lot of force, and you might break way more than you want to. Yeah, if, if you're using plastic cement and you need to get it apart, get one of these small hobby saws, like a jeweler saw. Yeah. Don't do it with a hobby knife, you will gut your hand. Uh, yeah, I say as I look at this giant scar on my thumb. Yep, ditto. Yeah, I was looking at my, I got a nice little triangle up there. Yeah, everybody, you tell people to be as safe as possible, but you will eventually accrue a boatload of scars on your thumbs and fingertips and sometimes pinkies. Uh, I, there was an orc boy that uh, had about a gallon of my blood on him before I finished painting him because uh, I had to saw off one of his hands because he didn't have the right tool. I wanted him to have an extra chopper, not an extra shooter, and that just didn't work for me. I don't even know how I cut myself, but I put my thumb to the bone with that one. Yeah. So, yeah, another <laughs> uh, tool hobby, not glue-related, cut away from yourself don't cut towards yourself it's it, it definitely feels like you can get more purchase with your hobby blade if you're cutting towards yourself that's fine don't do that just have less purchase and don't cut yourself <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah if you can keep it flat on a cutting mat with the blade pointing down mm -hmm. the best way to do it and make gentle sawing motions don't just push down 50 50 shot the glue or the model will give or the blade will snap. Yep. And if you've never seen a hobby blade explode into 10 million pieces all around you when you're barefooted, you've never really seen fear.
You have as sharp a blade as humanly possible mm -hmm. and just gentle sawing motions. And that's if you don't own a jeweler saw. Have a hobby saw. It's absolutely mm -hmm. worth the $10. It changed my life when I finally bit the bullet and bought one. It is a fantastic purchase. On the hop, uh, topic of sharp knife, you know, sharp knife, safe knife, dispose of your sharps properly. Do yes. not just throw them in a trash bag. You may not cut yourself, but someone else may. Mm -hmm. And you don't want that on your conscience. I, I have two tiny Tupperware containers, one that's labeled sharp and one that's labeled dull. The dull blades go straight into that, and the, the lid gets closed, and it can be properly disposed of when it gets filled up all the way. Yep, I have a glass cheer wine bottle. You can hear it rattling around on my hobby table. Uh, it's in my room right now, though, because I was using a hobby knife for other stuff, and I've changed the blade. But but I've got that, that cheer wine bottle. It's a glass bottle. The sharps fit right into it. You can tip it upside down since it's got a narrow neck. One might come back out, but they're not all going to fall out. And then when that's done, I just pop the lid back onto it, and I can recycle it through. Problem solved. Yet another regional thing from us being from the south is having a cheer wine glass bottle. Uh, hey, if you've never had, it's a it's a North Carolina thing. It's hard to find in Georgia. I don't like cheer wine in a can. It's not very good from a fountain. But if you can find it from a glass bottle, get it. Oh yeah, a glass bottle in general. You don't have yeah. to have a cheer wine bottle though. You could get like I don't know an old beer bottle or a Coke bottle. You know, just something where you can safely contain your sharp pointy things. Yeah, and this is also a really thick bottle, which I like. That way, if it does get knocked off my desk and hit the floor, it doesn't explode and then make, you know, blades and glass shards everywhere. Yeah. Because this thing's taking a couple of tumbles, but, I mean, it is a it is a thick piece of glass. Thick with two C's. Seriously. Ch -ch -ch cheer wine. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Me doing my 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 monster truck announcer Sunday 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 ch -ch -ch cheer wine. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, hobby knives. Um, you can get a blade pack of about a hundred blades for six to ten dollars on yeah. Amazon or some other online website. There is no reason you shouldn't have a sharp blade every mm -hmm. single time you're cutting into a new model. Uh, just just be safe with the hobby. Don't cut your fucking thumbs off. Just just take your hobby seriously. There are dangerous implements. I know we're mostly painting, you know, tiny gremlins and space marines and whatnot, but you can hurt yourself at some point. There are snips. There are blades. There are mm -hmm. occasional uh, fire-throwing implements, depending on if you're Tony or not. So, you know, just it's it, it, it can hurt yourself if you're not careful. Uh, but uh, talking about the hobby knife thing, though, uh, one of the things I always teach my line cooks along with sharp knife, safe knife, is a falling knife has no handle. If that hobby knife starts to fall, that is a small blade that is going to be spinning as it goes. You will grab that blade, and it will hurt a lot. Back to hurting yourself stories. I have a good one where, you know when you, you drop your phone and you immediately think, oh, I'm going to like just reflexively kick at this to kind of like sort of catch oh, it with no, my foot? Oh, no, you hacky-sacked a knife, didn't you? Yeah, I hacky-sacked a oh. Zacco knife. Uh, the knife did not hacky-sack. It just went straight into my goddamn foot. <laughs> and Hey, that means it didn't hit the ground, which means it's still in play. Is, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it was stuck in my foot. It didn't go very far. I did I did have shoes on at the time, so the, the boot mostly took the impact. But it was still just kind of like, oh, let me hit that. Oh, I'm moving my foot, and the, my, the knife is no longer going towards the ground. It is going with my shoe. Hmm. And then I pull it out, and ah, oh, blood. Cool, 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 cool. So whenever the, 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 the tool tip of the day for that is if you drop a knife, move away from it. Do like a jump reaction. Move away from the blade because it's really easy 
easy to hurt yourself, and we're incredibly fragile creatures, and it just takes one nick in the wrong place, and you will just start dying, because we're strange meat puppets full of full of water. So it's just pointy things are dangerous. Don't touch them. Yeah, whenever whenever I know I'm going to be using a knife for a while, I very rarely hobby barefooted. I hobby barefoot all the time, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've stepped on enough very pointy bits in my time, and things like that dude i had a chaos space marine army for a long time i have too i haven't learned my lesson on that front but like generally when i'm at home unless i'm in bed i'm still in my boots because i'm weird it's a it's a very warm state we live in so generally my shoes are off unless it's finally winter and then i like to get cozy with my my house shoes that's that's the only time i'm wearing shoes around the house typically all right so back to we talked our tool tips so I've got a dumb list. Occasionally, maybe not every episode, but at least occasionally, we're going to throw dumb lists. I am a narrative player. I like to build lists that work in my head canon. Uh, for those of you who don't know what head canon is, it's how you perceive the story in your brain hole. Big, big for fan fiction type stuff, but also for Warhammer. Exactly. So a lot of the stuff that I do, like, I'll have a squad be like, oh man, this would be great with this and this. I'm like... But it'd be weird to carry this because this is a mounted squad. They would more than likely have, you know, they wouldn't be carrying a LAS cannon in the back of their tank. They would probably have something smaller, like a heavy flamer or a missile launcher, something that's more easy to maneuver. So that's what that squad's going to have, even if it totally hamstrings me. If it doesn't make sense, I don't enjoy it. Now, onto my dumb list that doesn't make sense and I do enjoy. <laughs> this is, uh, we're going to keep them playable legal lists. So if somebody is crazy uh, they can give it a try i want to give this a try uh i'm gonna have to buy stuff for it one of those lists that's probably going to be either complete dog shit and get wiped off the table in one round or be just the weird meta buster that nobody expected everybody laughed at me when i took an entirely tank list in an eight-week league everyone's like oh you're gonna lose every game i got third place in that league out of i think what 27 people something like that yeah who's laughing now me and everyone else because there were so many tanks yeah, it was 13 13 tanks and a plane people didn't know how to deal with that it was great so this is keeping with form it's it's my first true love of armies is imperial guard so i'm going to be building a guard list on this one andrew what are the two worst parts of the guard uh ballistic skill yeah, lack they only of hit on four ups yep yeah, bad ballistic skill, wounds aren't great, uh, low armor save, bad morale. They have a they have a lot of okay, negatives. Okay, now, okay. There's a couple of bad parts. <laughs> Which one are you going for? <laughs> I'm going to stick with two of them that you said on that list. All right, I'll say I'll say bad ballistic skill and bad yeah. armor save. Yeah, bad ballistic skill and bad armor. So, how do we counteract bad ballistic skill? Flamethrowers, lots of flamethrowers. Why bother aiming? Yeah, why bother aiming? Just. You know, it's an equal opportunity sort of weapon. So here we go. This is the list. It's a battalion detachment, so you're okay. getting your full CP on it. We're, we're doing 2K, yeah? We're doing 2K. Okay. We're doing 2K. I'm not doing regimental doctrines in here. Though, I guess... Hmm. Actually, if I did the regimental doctrines in here, it would be the, the you know, build your own regiment, because why wouldn't you? Right. There's one that allows you to re-roll D6s on vehicles for random weapons. You're well, going to notice the, that's a bit of a theme the hellhounds here. or whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah. Just a couple. Yeah, just a couple. <laughs> just a couple. All right. And then probably also the one that allows you to heal vehicles. You'll find out in a moment. So your HQ choices is going to be a company commander. I'm going to give him a bolt gun and a chainsword because he's yeah. just there for an HQ choice. Yeah, he, you're not getting him into the fight. Yeah, no. His If he is in a fight, you've gone wrong. Yep. 
Or if you play this list, you've gone wrong. I'm not sure which it is yet. The next one, your next HQ choice, is a company commander. Uh, we do have a third HQ choice on this. It is a company commander. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're not there to issue orders. They're literally just there to give us our three elite squads. No, no, makes sense. Which are all three command squads. Each of the command squads are four people in the command squad. They do have a better ballistic skill of three up. Oh, Space Marine ballistic skill. So Hot we're going to give them three flamers and a heavy flamer. <laughs> For when the orcs or whoever inevitably gets close enough to to get back to your first point of if they're in combat, you've already fucked up. So, so Andrew, I want you, I want you to keep, keep tally on this, okay? So that right now, on our elite, that puts us at three heavy flamers. Right, and then, and, tw- and, then, and nine flamers. Yeah, okay. I was, I'm just going to call them all flamers, and then we'll go from there. So we're up to tw- we're up to twelve flamers. Right. Well, the heavy flamers, though, remember, are a little better. Not a lot better, but they're a little better. All right. So we're up to twelve flamers. So twelve. Flamers. Now, we've got four infantry slots in here. Okay. All four of them, cookie cutter, the same. They're going to be just a normal infantry squad, sergeant, guardsman with a special weapon. Mm-hmm. Guess what that special weapon is, Andrew? Oh, last cannon. You're right, it's a flamethrower. Yeah. There's, so there's four more of them right there. So what does that bring us to total now? Oh, that brings us to 16. 16. All right, so we're at 16 flamethrowers at this point. And we've still got a long way to go. Right. Now, right. how are we going to counteract how squishy all of those infantry are? Catch them on fire, so that way when someone takes a swing at them, they in turn catch on fire. I like where your head's at. So I'm going to kind of go that direction and put them in chimeras. <laughs> With a heavy flamer on the turret. And they're squishy enough that they will be on fire soon. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to have a heavy flamer, turret, and a heavy flamer on the hull. So there's only coming to 88 points for two heavy flamers. And it's got the last gun array. Uh, there's going to be five of those. One of them's going to hold all three of your company commanders in it. Okay, okay. So why not? two heavy flamers on that. That puts us up to 26 flamethrowers? Yeah, so it's 26 flame weapons right now. Okay. Okay. Now, what about those... Uh, those command squads what are they going to ride in they're not going to ride in chimeras no they're going to be in the fun thing they're going to be in a valkyrie (laughs) because a valkyrie can put all that fire exactly where you need it and do something called a drop insertion where you can drop them out over anywhere on the line where it moved and they don't have to be nine inches away from an enemy so you can pinpoint drop what 16 flame weapons exactly where you need them and torch that soft target that would be pretty bad for certain characters, yeah. That would be bad for a lot of things. Yeah, like Gazgul could withstand that, but otherwise... Yeah, this is not a list meant to fight Gazgul. This yeah, list no, will you, not do anything against Gazgul. You do lots of psychers and other stuff for Gazgul, yeah. yeah. Now, that still leaves us. That's only that's just over a 1,000 points right there. So for the last 1,000 points, we're going to take Hellhounds. Mm-hmm. Nine of them, to be specific. Jesus. So each fast attack slot is going to be three Hellhounds, all with the heavy flamer, all with an Inferno Cannon. And the Inferno Cannon is basically two fl- two heavy flamers at an 18-inch range that are strength six. So we'll just say three flamers for each Chimera then? Uh, yeah, three flamers for each Hellhound. Yeah, roughly. Oh, yeah, I say Chimera. The Inferno Cannon is strength six, heavy 2d6, uh, AP one. One damage, auto hit. Let's see, that's, that's nine for each squad. So that's, what, uh, 27 on top of our 26 that we've already gotten. Let me math real quick. Hum, hum, hum. It would be a, a casual 53 flame weapons in a 2,000-point list. Yep, 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 yep. And it also puts your uh, your average toughness with everything in things at toughness 7 with a 3-up save. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, that's... And movement 12. Eat that, White Scars. 
Yeah. <laughs> Go to hell, genetically trained super mutants that are thousands of years old. Yeah, so that's uh, that's my dumb list. Uh, I was trying to think of a name for it, and I got two that I'm torn between, all right? All right. This one strikes the old uh, old chord with me, and it's Trogdor, because <laughs> you're burdenating the countryside. And every time you move the hellhounds and chimeras forward, you yeah. just shout, Trogdor! The other thing the is, is a bit of a pun. And it's, uh, I'm going to call it Highway to Hellhound. Mm, okay. Because your chimeras are just baby hellhounds at that point. Yeah, yeah. So basically you're running 14 hellhounds. <laughs> it's it's take your hellhound to work day. Yeah. Right. And the hellhounds will get by your rule of three by having nine of them because you can take three of them as a squadron. So you're only taking three entries of hellhound. Oh, if wow. I'm not mistaken, that's how that works. Because you can do it with Lehman Russes and hellhounds can come in squadrons of, of one to three. I could take nine Lehman Russes and it'd be legal. And the Warhammer app allowed me to build this and didn't say it was illegal. I checked okay. it on that, Battlescribe, and went through the FAQs. And everything I can find is that this is a legal, playable, stupid list. I would say if the official app says it's cool, then it's probably cool. And if not, then they need to... Yeah, so uh, so that's going to be my stupid list. What, what, what are your thoughts on that, Andrew? Do I need to tweak it at all? Uh, well, I don't know a ton about Imperial Guard, but... Uh, right off the bat, the only thing I could think of would be, uh, just really hope that you're not playing Space Marines with the, uh, Eradicators or whatever they're called, the guys with the heavy bolt guns, because it's like, huh, here comes a tank made out of tissue paper, but, all right, that thing's dead. (laughs) It's, it strikes me as a list that, uh, depending on the first round shooting rolls, it will definitely really be swingy you'll either die in the first round or two or you'll just completely annihilate people and they won't expect it at all it's it's a deceptively fast list like it's a very fast mobile list but the other thing about it since guards still have the old codex because i love apparently to play old out-of-date codices is the fact that they have the old school smoke launchers which means they just blanket they can just blanket minus one to hit instead of shooting and when your range is 12 inches, that's pretty good. And with the new small table sizes, that's a that could be a pretty scary list. I did forget about the small table sizes. Yeah, yeah it, it's not a lot smaller, but your your effective range on these those tanks is 24 inches. Yeah. Now, I know Space Marines are going to have an effective 30-inch range, give or take. Give or take. For both. And most people are going to be playing Space Marines. So Exactly. So, I mean, if they get the first turn, you, you tuck back a little bit. They're going to have to move forward if they want to do anything. Again, it'll depend on what your opponent brings, but I think it's possible that that list could be shockingly pretty decent. If nothing else, it'll be hilarious. Yes, no, you'll you will have a funny time no matter what you do, and it's it's the sort of thing that makes me wish that we still had template weapons on occasion. Yeah, I I toyed with the idea of being like maybe I should try and get a ticket to the forty k side, <laughs> in New Orleans and carry this just so because you know you like I like a little bit of friendly discourse with my opponent. Be like, hey, here's my list. Here's kind of the things it's capable of. Because like I said, I don't want to go into it with gotchas. You know, so bring it. I'll be like, you know, it's mostly tanks. So, you know, if you got anti-tank weapons, you'll be good to go there. Uh, it's got 56 flame weapons in it. Um, you know, it's it's mostly tanks. Just hear me like, wait, do what now? Like, oh, no, it's cool. It's, it's, it's 56 flame weapons. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's casual. It's not the big, no big deal. Oh, and that list actually leaves you 15 points to play with. So go wild. You could definitely fit a knight in there. Yeah. No, but you could. Uh, you could put storm bolters on seven of the hellhounds. Uh, but are those storm bolters on fire? No. Well, then it defeats the point of the list. I couldn't find a way to work another flame weapon in. Ooh, I might be able to drop a company commander 
No, because then I'd lose a command squad. I was thinking maybe if I drop a company commander and pull in an Inquisitor with a Combi Flamer and an Inferno pistol. Ah, two two for one fire. Hand Flamer? Whatever it's called now. I think they had... They I think had they're Hand inf- Flamers. I, they had the Inferno pistol because it looked like a musket, but it was a, fl- it was a Flamer. Yeah, well, no, that's, that's going to be the Hand Flamer because the Inferno pistol is the pistol Melta. Right, 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 right. Yeah, because Blood Angels use that too, yeah. Yep, and Seraphim. Okay. Yeah, Seraphim, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. It's it's almost like they only have like three words for describing fire and how to fire things. <laughs> and and Meltas are kind of a weird in-between place where it's like, it's a laser, sort of. <laughs> Is it a LAS cannon? No, 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 it's a shorter range laser. It's a, it's a weaponized mining tool. Yeah. Which I love. I, I do love the fluff of 40K. I really oh, it's do. so silly. The it's Land so Raider, which was meant for agriculture. Yeah. <laughs> Land Raider. It's yeah. it's so ridiculous. It's just such a satire of itself, too, which makes it even better. Well, that's what happens when you start off with lore back in the 80s with a bunch of sci-fi nerds who didn't really give a shit about taking things seriously, and then you just sort of continue that line for the next almost 30 35 years, somewhere around there. You mean to tell me that a bunch of coked-up sci-fi nerds wrote crazy stories about stuff? And made fun of Margaret Thatcher all the time, yeah. (laughs) A lot of people. They made fun of a lot of people. A lot of people. A lot of people who probably didn't deserve it now. Probably didn't deserve it, yeah. But Margaret Thatcher was one of those people. (laughs) Yeah, so that's the list. Uh, I think Andrew's going to be coming up with one in one of our future episodes. That would be Uh, fun. Spoiler, it's probably going to be Gloom Spike Gets Related. I figured. Yeah. <laughs> Go with what you know. You probably know what direction of Gets I'm going to lean, but I might surprise you. Uh, if you were a child in the 90s and you have one of those hippity hops, I feel like it's going to be a very hippity hop centric list. <laughs> Not like a hip, a hop, a hippie to the hop hop or whatever that is. More like the, the hip hop things with the uh, moon shoes and you got your, your sock boppers in that vein of hippity hops. Moon shoes were such bullshit. They just panned the camera up to make it look like they were really jumping, but you really only got like three inches of jump on those. Oh, but sock and boppers where it's at. It's like, hey, I put inflatable boxing gloves on kids and let them just duke it out. I have a few friends who absolutely got concussions from those. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised me and my friends didn't die as kids. Ah. Uh. As that was uh, right at that edge where they're like, hmm, safety and child toys. Mm-hmm. We, should, we should maybe consider that. But that was like five years after we were kids. Yeah, yeah. one of the fun pastimes in uh, Georgia is drinking. Uh, <laughs> pretty much all there is in rural areas out here, unfortunately. I will say, there's a lot of that across our country. That's True. It's, that is the pastime for a significant percentage of our country. But if you've never gone to a family bonfire when you were a kid with a bunch of drunk rednecks... I don't know if you can truly say you've lived. If you've never been standing next to a hula hoop on the ground and heard someone go, hey, watch this, and a lawn dart comes streaking out of the stratosphere towards you. Oh, fucking lawn darts. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a childhood memory I'll never forget. Yeah, there's a there's a reason watch this became a joke yeah. for... I don't know, a multitude of Southern-related stand-up comedians. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, uh, lo- lots of things that uh, probably should have killed me in a few parallel timelines uh, that I somehow survived in my childhood, thankfully. Yeah, whenever you hear watch this, not watch this, watch this. That's when uh, your pucker factor gets turned up to about 11. Oh, the pucker factor. Yeah. If you don't know <laughs> what the pucker factor is, ask your parents. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they'll <laughs> love that question. Yeah. Uh, all right, so that's... um. That's about all we've got for our show, I believe. Uh, we'd like to leave the show with a little piece of advice for everybody. Andrew, why don't you give us uh, your favorite piece of hobby-related advice? 
Oh, I think we had about 30 minutes of that earlier, but uh, cut, a cut away from yourself. Your blood should stay in your body, not outside of it. All right. Thank you, Andrew, and thank you for the listeners for tuning in and sticking with us for episode one of Dice Like Ice. If you are going to be at the roadshow in New Orleans, come find us. Who knows? We might have stickers. It depends on if I do another sticker mule order. And if I do, find it, say, hey, I've listened to your show. I will give you a sticker. Thank you once again for listening. You can always contact us at DiceLikeIcePodcast at gmail.com or find us on our Facebook or Instagram, also under DiceLikeIcePodcast. We would also like to give a big shout out to Scarlet Saturn for use of their music in our show.